Thanks for listening. I learned so much from Pierre. Poison tree. I've never... But then again, I'm not a lawyer, so it's probably law. Brian, you've heard of the poison tree concept? I have not. See, we learn something every day. Andy Dance, good morning to you. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me uh, hit the right button. You moved over on mic there. Anyway. Good morning. There's there's lots of uh, vegetation out there that is poisonous in some way or another. So That's right. And a lot of poison plants here in Leaves of three, let it be. There you go. I learned that from Homer Simpson. I don't remember what the rest of it was. (laughs) Uh, Rhubarb leaves, don't ever eat those. You know, for years, people thought tomatoes were poisonous Mm. until they found out one guy was sentenced to death by eating a tomato. (laughs) And he's like, hmm, this isn't really that bad. A little bacon and lettuce goes a long way with us here. So... You know, all those kind of things. But anyway, anyway, Andy Dance, congratulations on being our uh, new chairman of the board for the Flagler County Commission. Thank you very much. It's uh, an honor that I take very seriously, and um, I appreciate the confidence my fellow commissioners have in me. Now, I kind of get the feeling for you, you know, because you're a real analytical type guy. You know, you've been on the school board and everything. And usually when Andy speaks, it's well thought out. You don't usually just <laughs> ramble like some people do. <laughs> And uh, I have a feeling you're going to shake things up here. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, and, and my perception, okay, just as a citizen reading the Observer, that isn't tainted at all in any way, but um, <laughs> I have a feeling that you weren't really happy the way the budget process has gone in the past, and you're, and you're ready to change that. Is that true? Well, yeah, I think a lot of what you said is true. It goes with my background as a landscape architect, a, a planner, uh, somebody who analyzes things in order to achieve the end result. It's the same way, um, you know, with the job of government. If uh, if you don't have proper processes in place in order to achieve your mission, mission and vision, then then things are going to go awry. So, um, you know, I pointed out that especially the the captain's bings issue, um, and not not whether positive or negative, but the process that it went through. Um, created a lot of distrust with the public. And I think we learn where we need to learn from those mistakes and start to implement uh, corrective actions and processes and, and, uh, and start to build back the trust with mm-hmm. the public. What, what is something that you can do to, to do that? I mean, it's hard every time someone's elected, like you're inheriting all kinds of sometimes decades worth of decisions that are still impacting people. And so you come in, um, but what, what what do you what what do you, what do you do to improve trust with the you know the public and the government if the, if there is an issue in some situations? All right, so we have you know different parts of an agenda with issues that come before the board. Um, some are placed on consent; they're supposed to be typical routine issues. Um, and then you have the business meeting issues or the public hearings. Um, so I think first step is just making sure that. There are big issues that that have to deal with the public where the public requires or is due that that type of input is you make sure you have time to either workshop those items and discuss some of the complexities beforehand before it gets to a business meeting. Um, That's the right thing to do. And I think that was a step that was missed in the Bing's captain issue was was the push to put something like that on the consent. Um, It bypassed public input. Uh, even at a workshop, it would have had uh, a better chance to vet all the complexities of the of the amended lease um, instead of at the business meeting. So people, Brian, summarize, because a lot of people, when you say the Bing, Bing's landing thing, Captain Barbara, summarize for people listening that don't know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> 
I bet Andy <clears throat> would do a better job of summarizing this, but they're just at Bing's Landing, which is uh, a few miles north of um, Palm Coast Parkway, but on A1A. You know, if you think about, if you just look at a map, um, there's this restaurant called Captain's Barbecue at a boat launch area with a, it's also got historical, you know, value to it uh, in this park. And it's a county owned property that is leased by a private company. And um, I'm trying to remember all the details of it. So Andy you might have to help me, help me out with this. I know there was a disagreement about how big of a footprint that, that, um, business could have. Yeah, we don't have enough time on this yeah. radio show. But, <laughs> That's why I said summarize it. But it was um, amending a lease because Captain's has an operation out there now and it was to expand. Um, but it got bogged down in a lot of uh, technical issues. And uh, again, it just needed to be vetted more with the public so that there was transparency in, in that action. Um, well, this goes back to Craig Coffee, right? As administrator. Yes. Okay, so he tried. Here's my take on it, and tell me how bad off I am. I'm pretty <laughs> blunt here. Basically, he tried to make a fast deal with them and kind of ram it through, and it didn't work. Yeah, I'm not going to comment on that. But um, <laughs> okay, all right. Well, the I, litigation is over now, right? Yes, we've come to an agreement okay. on the expansion, so that was that settled that. Correct. I do think that the main point that the reason you bring that one up is. Um, the consent agenda, again, the idea is that it's routine to the point where we're kind of expected that we won't really need to go into much discussion about this. Like, we really don't want to have a whole big discussion about whether we should continue buying the same chemicals that we've bought every time for different treatment purposes or cleaning. But with something like this, if it's on consent, and there's a lot of people in the public who are watching it closely, if it's just put on consent and not planned as a discussion, it looks like oh, the government's trying to just slip this one past us. And mm -hmm. whatever the intentions are, um, that is sometimes what it looks like. And so... Yeah. And those issues can be pulled, those items yeah. for discussion. But what you said was correct. It's, it's the impression that that makes yeah. to the public. All right. Um, so that one's settled now, right? So uh, everybody happy? I know it costs the <laughs> county some money. Everyone's equally unhappy, right? That, but. Yeah, it's yeah. again, the, the <laughs> economics <laughs> just changed totally in that time period. So the four and a half, five years, uh, COVID, inflation, everything changed. So mm -hmm. it all had to be talked about in that process. That was our quote from our doctor that we have on from the University of um, Illinois. Yeah, that's right. He said a compromise is making everybody equally unhappy. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. So, it's not a compromise if one person's happy and another one's not. And I think the other part you mentioned was about the budget process. So, um, one of the things I talked about um, when I became chair had an opportunity to talk to the commissioners after the meeting, and just as far as philosophy goes, I want to get an early start on budgets, which we'll do on the 18th in a workshop. And, um, and just come together, coalesce around a, a vision for the budget. I think we need um, a majority of us and hopefully all of us to coalesce around that vision of our priorities for what we want to accomplish with the budget early on and, and give that to staff to then craft the budget so that when we get to the later parts of the summer where we start to do public hearings on the budget, we don't have um, a last minute proposal that throws a monkey wrench in it because there's you'd be amazed the amount of time it takes staff to put together the budget um and i again i think it it um it looks bad if we've gone through the whole budget process and 
and then we change something at the last minute, it doesn't look like we're all on the same page. And, and I just like to get us to talk about that vision of a budget early on mm -hmm. and, uh, and set that, that statement out there. Sounds good, Brian. Yeah, it seems like that as part of that process, getting the constitutionals, the constitutional officers, you know, the sheriff, uh, for those who don't know what, we're, what, that, what that's really referring to, the sheriff's office, the clerk of courts, the supervisor of elections, the tax collector are also, they all kind of, or am I getting this correct, that they all kind of, are, their budget is underneath the county's correct. budget. So right. They have to kind of propose, here's what we think correct. we need. And sometimes it's pretty predictable. And sometimes they're saying, we actually need like a lot more money. And sometimes those have come kind of late in the game, it seems to me, as an outside observer, that it kind of, it, again, throws another monkey wrench in late, late in the process, which is hard. Yeah, and, and this is where the, the resident citizens need to realize because all they all come with their handout. You know, Staley's going to come in looking for more money for the sheriff's department and, you know, whatever. I mean, his job is to keep it safe. He's done a good job. It's kind of hard to say no, but at the same time, you can negotiate. Um, the other constitutional officers, like, um, does Bexley come in with the, Absolutely. him yep. as well? Tom yep. Bexley, Supervisor of elections. Clerk of courts. Yep. Yeah, he's running Property for re-election, and you're running for re-election, and, um, you know, so there's a, a lot on it. But at the same time, the voters need to have a mindset that, you know, bringing revenue into the county is what keeps your taxes from paying for all these kind of things. One of the uh, committees I know that you're, you really want to get involved in is, is the uh, Northeast Regional Council Correct. this year. Tell everybody, what is that and why is it important that Flagler County you know, has a good seat on that committee? Well, I, I think from Flagler County's standpoint, uh, we're a growing county and a lot of our uh, neighboring counties are, have already been through that process. So we get to learn a lot from you know, the mistakes that they've made or some of the good choices that they've made. And I think regional collaboration is, is important to, uh, to just to be able to expand our body of knowledge and, and um, to help us grow in the right ways. So what, what do we get out of that? How, do they, how does the Northeast Regional Council help us or hurt us? Well, I think, you know, I'll just use one example recently is they had a special task force that I was a member of that talked about ecotourism. So they spent the past year looking at uh, and analyzing ecotourism and how that can benefit the region and how we can regionally come together. And and that is uh, one of the issues that we have as a legislative priority is our the Eco Discovery Center that we've identified a place for at the base of the pedestrian bridge that is also at the head of the Bulow Creek headwaters. And and we've had people from the National Park Service um, and and from the state office come down to talk to us about how regionally, you know, ecotourism can benefit us. And, and we're, we're trying to work with our neighboring partners to get people to come visit us for those, you know, that purpose. It's a big economic driver for tourism. You're going to be ahead of, or you're going to be on the committee or chairman of the uh, Flagler County TDC this coming year? Uh, the TDC, I will chair. I will replace Commissioner Sullivan. And um, I've already met with um, Amy Lukasik, who's the director. And, and, you know, we're doing a lot of work ahead of the next meeting in January. So you have a vision on where to take that. You don't ever take, you know, you don't ever take the wheel on something if you don't know where you're going to go with this one. Well, that one, I don't need to overstep my boundary. So the TDC itself is has its own board. So the board sets that mission and vision and... Um, 
and I'll just kind of steer the meetings and steer some of the discussions. But we have, you know, some great members on the TDC board and that's their that's their job. Well, I, I kind of see an integration with that, with what you just talked about, with the uh, Northeast Regional Council and, and a regional tourism, e, um, ecotourism type of a plan. Uh, yes. I mean, and that's, again, that goes back to our, the, the legislative ask for that one uh, for the Eco Discovery Center. Um, but again, if, if there's any way that, that I can uh, uncover, uh, you know, some pro- something that might help with the, with the uh, TDC um just like with the commission i'll mm-hmm. I'll, I'll make suggestions <laughs> all right hey um we're gonna take a break and uh, andy's wearing his um christmas sweatshirt here this morning you can go to our wnzf facebook page <laughs> and see him decorated up for the uh, holidays so good to have you in here yeah. and uh, we're going to be talking with the uh, state representative house speaker paul renner coming up here shortly live and uh, we'll talk with him about tourism in Florida and things as well. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. It's lumpy, it's bumpy, and your driveway is dumpy. Call R.D. and Sons Paving. They've been paving since 1959. Driveways, walkways, stone and gravel, repairs too. They beat competitor prices. R.D. and Sons Paving, 386-302-3406. So you're ready to list it? We're ready to sell it. This is Sam Perkovich, broker owner of Parkside Realty Group. Stop by our office in Town Center or call us at 302-0300. Visit us online at parksiderealtygroup.net. If somebody knocks on your door or a telemarketer's on your phone, you know it's not us. Hi, folks. This is Bill Gallagher with SolarFit. If you've been thinking about solar, we want you to knock on our door or call us. SolarFit's been a part of this community for over 47 years, and our customers love us. Couldn't say it if it wasn't true. Now's the time to go solar for your home or business. Give us a call at 445-7606. Solar fit your life and set yourself free with the sun's free energy. It's new. The Palm Coast Report. Your number one source for all local news, all in one place. Palm Coast Report. Local news you can trust. Truth meter verified. Follow on Facebook or online at palmcoastreport.com. Well, all right. I think everybody needs to get in the Christmas spirit this year. You're in it. You were there. We had our parking lot party, our 16th annual Flagler Broadcasting parking lot Christmas party. You were there, Brian. I was. great. We have like four, four hundred some people um, came by and love breakfast. Yeah, the breakfast station instead of. You know, whatever else you'd have, it was breakfast, <laughs> like Christmas morning breakfast. I was, Santa. I was wondering what the thought process was. On. I, I appreciate that. We have breakfast for dinner sometimes in my house, too. So, Well, it started off with uh, Kirk <laughs> Keller. You know, our, By the way, we uh, promoted Kirk to vice president of sales. Congratulations. And, uh, so, yes, congratulations. And, uh, so we announced it, surprised uh, with him. But his thing was, this is Kirk, right? He wanted to make it up like Christmas morning. So you'd have the <laughs> breakfast, but he he wanted everybody to come dressed in pajamas. Mm. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But um, anyway, so some did, some didn't. You seem like fun. a PJs to work kind of guy, David. Don't, yeah. No, well, you, I'm going to have to go out and buy some, you know. So <laughs> We walked by uh, the family pajama displays at, at Walmart the other day, and oh, I was yeah. asking my kids, do you think we should do family pajamas? And they all said no. So I was, I was very relieved by that. Well, that's a, everybody got new pajamas in our household every Christmas. But they don't have to all match. No. You know, the parents have the same PJs as the kids. It's, no. 
That's yeah. a bit much. That's it fun. is. Yeah. It, I know people do it, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, like to you each know. his own. Hey, uh, you know, <laughs> we've got, uh, uh, you know, the budget year coming up. What is the budget going to be? Well, how much how much cash does the Flagler County have to run this place for 2024 anyway? Uh, well, the total budget is $278 million. Um, and I will, you know, point out that we have a, a great transparency page on the Flagler County website. And you can actually put in your home address and it'll break down exactly where your taxes go as far as which departments. It's it's broken down uh, to a, a couple dozen different categories. And this is within the county, how the county is spending the county portion of the tax bill. It go, yeah, everything yeah, okay. that's within our budget, correct. Mm-hmm. All right, $278 million. Um, you know, it sounds like it. But then, like I always say, well, uh, J-Lo bought a house for $200 million on the uh, California <laughs> coast. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know chump change then i guess yeah i guess we're, we're running this on 278 million to run the county hey uh house speaker paul renner can you beat the 278 million for running the uh, state how much do you have this year uh, unfortunately we we can so we're uh, <laughs> looking at something more than 114 15 billion dollar range wow. uh for our state budget and of course our state's growing but we look at the per capita numbers and make sure that we're uh, still lean and mean, which we are relative to other states. All right. Hey, uh, Andy Dance here in the studio, our new commission chairman for 2024. Good morning, Speaker Renner. Good morning. And uh, Brian, of course, our uh, co-host. And Good morning. Brian. So anyway, um, thanks for, for joining us. Gee, what, it seems like uh, we just started the 2023 session, January 9th, you do it all again. And this is um, Paul Renner's finale year because you term out right i mean what uh yeah i'll term out uh, next november so uh in in one way i'm only halfway done but in another way we've got you know a smaller gap between the two sessions we have a late session in the odd year which was the uh march to may session and now we come back in in january and we'll finish in march so as a practical matter barring special sessions there won't be any more legislative activity between then and november but we know that there have been special sessions in all these years. So, you know, it may not be, it's not over till it's over, but next November is when I'll term out. But we start session January 9th. We're in committee weeks now. Just got back uh, last night from uh, committee week. I was watching uh, Governor DeSantis in the debate with uh, Gavin Newsom. And, you know, he was bragging about Florida and, you know, how great we are and what a rotten state California is. <laughs> but he did say one thing that and people have asked me about that. I think he said we the Florida, we have seventeen billion dollars in reserves. Was that right? Seventeen billion or something? Was that what do we have in reserves? Who is a Yeah, it's significant. We've got a record amount of reserves. You know, one once upon a time you know, we were happy to have a billion dollars in reserves. We, you know, we've got I think twelve billion. It depends on how you count it. The reserves there there's Multiple categories, there's the the, uh, the BSF, which is kind of the core of the reserves, then there's what's unallocated. There's a whole number of components, but the short answer is yes. We have extremely healthy reserves, and as a result of that, you know, we had Ian and Nicole, you know, we don't have to go in and cut teacher salaries, you know, to pay for the, the billions of dollars of cost that those hurricanes bring. We had it, we spent it, and uh, we had reserves to spare so that's responsible governance, and we're always, I'm certainly thinking about what the future looks like. I don't want to leave my successors with a bad budget, and we have a balanced budget requirement. One of the first things we'll do in a session is uh, is ask the federal government once again to consider uh, a balanced budget amendment and term limits uh, through, if necessary, an Article 5 convention so that we can, we can get uh, uh, D.C. fixed because it's really – 
careening toward bankruptcy. And if that happens, if our, our government bankrupts, uh, then our dollar bankrupts, and it's bad for all of us. What is, you know, people see, well, you know, most people, a lot of people see uh, Florida as kind of a safe haven from the, the chaos of a lot of other states and other places around the country. And um, that's another thing, of course, that, uh, you know, the, the debate with uh, DeSantis and and uh, Newsom were that uh, people want to come here and they're, they're leaving to it. But, you know, that kind of sparks this whole anti-growth mentality of people here saying, hey, we're here, we like it how it is, we don't want any more people coming. Um, what do you say to those people? Well, look, I, I, think, I think it's understandable when you're going, if you feel like you're going too fast, uh, that that's a, a natural response. Um, are, what I would hey, say me, is... Paul, let me ask you, are we growing too fast? That's the big question. I, I don't know how, I really don't know how to answer that question. What I'll say is what we're doing, and what we're doing is keeping a laser focus on infrastructure, you know, water supply, water quality, water treatment, uh, our roads, our ports, our airports, making sure that we, we can accommodate more people. But the other thing we're doing to make sure that we're not all pavement is record uh, spending with respect to land conservation and setting aside lands, not necessarily by the state buying those lands, but what's called a conservation easement, say a farmer or, or uh, somebody that's in the timber industry, uh, you know, that you're paying them basically to never develop that land beyond its current use. So it remains wooded, it remains, you know, rural, and we don't have, when that, which is good for our environment, good for all those things I mentioned, water supply, you know, cleaning the water, Etc. So we're doing that in a substantial way. We spent a billion dollars last year, the most ever on land conservation to support, uh, broadly speaking, what's called the wildlife corridor. Um, but uh, but there are areas uh, here in Palm Coast and Blackler County that we've uh, been able to put some money toward to set aside land uh, for conservation. We're going to try to do that again this year and working with folks from the city and the county. Um, had some great meetings over the summer to say, hey, you know, what can we do to make sure that you know, Flagler, we don't look back and say, geez, you know, we should have left a little green space here. So we're doing that. Um, that's important. And also accommodating um, better better roads so that people don't sit on the highway waiting to get home to their families from work. When, um, you know, we say there's we have reserves and basically we're debt free. Is that true? Florida? That's not quite true. Um, we have um, years ago, um, we, we would bond out, you know, to pay for roads and these kinds of things and take on debt. Uh, however, we have not bonded, I believe, for over a decade. Um, certainly not on my watch and since I've been in the legislature. We've not borrowed any money at all um, since, since I've been in the legislature. And moreover, this last year, we actually accelerated uh, the, the payoff of, of some of those loans early. Uh, but the situation we're in right now is, as I mentioned, those reserves that kind of sit in a bank account and draw interest now uh, at 4 or 5%. Some of the remaining bonds that are out there are like 2%. So we're actually better off to leave them and just pay them off. As they're going to they're gonna come off the rolls here this year, next year, and the following years. But it's not significant debt. It's, it's not. It really isn't. And so as a result, you know, there are credit rating agencies, three of them, that rate us in other states. We have the top top scores you can get as a state. So we are truly um, the leanest, meanest, you know, best-run state in the country, not only in my opinion, but in the opinion of those that are independent that have to signal to, you know, people that want to buy. If we were to borrow money, you know, is this a good, safe state to invest? Will they pay, repay you? And the answer is unequivocally yes. Uh, but we're not going to do that. We're going to pay as you go. 
um, like other families do. You know, we only uh, spend what we take in, and we also leave a little aside. And, of course, we return $2.7 billion to taxpayers, which is important. So uh, we want to make sure that it's in the hands of people that can spend it best uh, if we have a lot of extra money. But there are a lot of needs, and we, we've uh, invested in those in a smart way, and uh, we'll do that again this year. Is the um, the billions in reserve, then we'll move on from there. So is it, it's not allocated for the uh, Citizens Insurance Fund? or I mean, that's all separate stuff? Yeah, the, the two things we have, <clears throat> which I wouldn't call reserves, we, we as everyone knows, we're in a, a bit of a coming, hopefully coming out of a crisis in property insurance. But it was so bad over the past several years that people said, look, we, there won't be reinsurance, which is what insurers do when they can't afford catastrophic claims. They go out and get insurance themselves. And those people will sit in Bermuda, you know, it's international money, you know, it's, it's, uh, and they, they're looking at a risk profile. And, and so we were concerned there would be no reinsurance, which means you and I may not have insurance uh, to cover the cost of our homes if there's a hurricane. Um, we did set aside some money to kind of backstop that, which thankfully I don't think is going to be used. And so we'll be able to hopefully pull that off here in short order. So the, the reserves are really not tied up with citizens. That's not what I'm counting as reserves. It's money that's um, in, in multiple categories. One, which is we can't, can't be touched. You know, another that is uh, what's called unallocated GR, which is really money we um, just don't spend in the budget. We've got something left over. We just don't spend it. It's there, though. So if during the year there's something where we need to go in and, and spend something in that budget year, we can do that. But um, those all add up to what are called reserves broadly, and they are in the tens of billions of dollars. Uh, and so we're in a very healthy place. The uh, last year, insurance reform, I guess that's what I call it anyway, for uh, real real estate and also uh, attorney law, like the personal injury attorneys, that all went in, is that all in effect right now, those laws? Are they, it's now, it's here, it's real, it's the law? Yes. It, it is. The, the difference is with respect to the claims. So if you uh, even had a policy that didn't uh, turn over until, say, this month, well, you're still under the old rules. And and so it, it really we're really looking at um, now uh, on the property insurance side, which are, you know, usually one-year policies, and we did that bill uh, last November. And then a bigger tort reform bill was in uh, March of this year, you're looking at, you know, anywhere between, you know, six to 12 months on the auto policies, which turn over every six months, we'll start seeing hopefully some improvements there. But, you know, I was talking to one of the big, um, you know, the big uh, peer-to-peer drivers like an Uber or Lyft, and they they are hopeful and and confident that they're going to be able to save money, which then in turn goes to cheaper rides on Uber, but also better pay for the people that drive Ubers. And that type of thing, and you know, we'll see where that that shakes out. Um, but as I said, there's there's kind of a egg that moves to the snake, and so there's claims they may have two people may have two, three, four, and in case of an insurance policy, five years to make a claim. Um, and so it will take years um, to fully see the benefits, but we'll see some benefits here in the near term. All right, uh, Brian McMillan. Hey, um, Paul. Just you know, just kind of observing what you're saying and you know you talk about these policies which then drill down to the better pay for the drivers or the cheaper ride you know and you mentioned earlier about the the infrastructure and you want to make sure that families aren't sitting there on the drive on the on the in traffic they want to be able to get home to the families and i just wondering like 
when you look at the big picture going into a session, how much are you thinking? How do you keep focus like that on how it impacts the people themselves? You know, the government being serving the people, because it seems like it'd be so easy to get caught up in all the the really big picture, the all the documents, all the you know, all those kind of things, and and lose sight of like how it actually impacts a, a family. Sure. Yeah, and so, you know, last year and including this year, affordability is still top of mind for everybody. So that tort bill, you know, they call it the tort tax, where they estimate, you know, $500 to $1,000 or more a year per, per person kind of thing, that that is passing along costs, not only in insurance premiums, but when businesses get hit with some of these frivolous lawsuits, you know, the price of goods when you go to buy things have gone up. So we address that to, to improve affordability. We address, you know, the on the property insurance or the insurance front, that, that tort bill will help there. You know, we, we addressed uh, other things to help in the affordability side. You know, there was a bill for uh, uh, affordable housing and really kind of workforce housing focus to make sure we get more product out. We're going to work again this year because <clears throat> part of the problem is, you know, supply and demand. There's a lot of people coming in, and there's not enough houses being built at the pace that people are coming in. And, and so we've got to make some allowance for making sure that it's not government uh, that, is, that is driving up prices. I was with a, a home builder that said we, uh, I think it was $300 a week. Um, somebody told me it was $300 a day, but just assume it's, uh, I guess, $300 a day. That they, of their carrying costs, uh, when they have a lot and they're building a home, if they're sitting around waiting, permitting you to get done and that type of thing, it adds up to the cost of a home that you and I ultimately pay. Same thing with, um, you know, uh, property taxes. Same thing, obviously, with you know, with insurance. So I'm looking at those things as how, how do I help bring down the cost to, to have a home uh, for, for a first-time home buyer, for folks that are on fixed incomes, for all of this, as well as people who are renting. And so we'll look at things like homestead exemption uh, increases. If you take the $50,000 homestead exemption that we have adjusted for inflation, it should be 139000 so that gives you a perspective how that homestead exemption has become less and less of a benefit to all of us. And so isn't it time for us to, to raise that or at least start adjusting it for inflation, which it's not been adjusted for inflation ever. Wow. And that is going to be on the, uh, the agenda for this coming year in the Florida House? Well, it's on our agenda, and I hope the Senate will, will be on board to, to consider that as well. And, and we've chatted a little bit about that. And, I, you know, the president has been a champ- real champion uh, affordable housing issue. That was her bill, the Live Local bill, last year uh, that she promoted. And, and so that you know goes to a lot of workforce housing, a lot of folks who may be renting. And so these things will be more for folks that, that are trying to buy you know their American dream, their first home, or that are coming in to, to retire here in Florida. They don't make a lot of money. And with the inflation and the, the property values going up, they're getting squeezed both by property insurance, by taxes, and by just the general cost of goods that have gone up so much. So what can we do as a government, uh, rather than accumulate more reserves, to help lower people's costs? And so those are things we have been looking at, that we have done, and that we will do. All right. Hey, if you just tuned in, we're talking with our state representative, House Speaker Paul Renner. We have got Brian McMillan and our Flagler County Commission Chairman, Andy Dance, with a question for the speaker. Well, actually, I was just going to uh, go back to the speaker's comments about the state's uh, priorities and investments in, in infrastructure. Um, I mean, it goes back to some of the um, asks that the county was able to uh, to bring home that, you know, thanks to the, the speaker and, and our uh, senator's good work. I mean, 
investment in our fire administration and fire station building and in the uh, integrated stabilization unit and men's substance abuse treatment facility. Those are things the public will be able to see um, making progress this this year as we get uh, RFPs out and designers in and we start that process to get those things going. And I know the uh, a lot of the other issues that 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 we have are reflected in the in the state's priorities and the governor's budgets uh, in order to get uh, infrastructure and resiliency implemented in the county and in important areas. Uh, so uh, I just appreciate the working relationship we've been able to have with Speaker Renner. Well, and, you know, and they have the delegation for people that don't know what they have is like well, a couple of months ago, whatever, uh, you know, here's Paul Renner, Senator Hudson, they come to Flagler County, anybody that wants anything, even individual residents can come before them with an ask or a sales pitch or whatever it is. The county, of course, you come with your handout. So if you could right now talking with our House Speaker and say, Paul, if there's anything that you get approved for is this year in 2024, what would that be, Andy Dance? Well, I, I would just say, I mean, we have some really important projects out there. I mean, we've got, um, you know, the Eco, Eco Discovery Center. We've got um, additional acquisition of conservation lands. Beach restoration is critical for our, our dune system and, and, and building that resiliency. Um, we've got stormwater issues, the, the aviation terminal, um, bridge replacements. Uh, I know one of the priorities is in emergency preparedness, and we've got an item out there for, uh, to, to fill a gap for special needs shelter. Um, and I know that's a state priority. Um, and, and I think the other big one is a, a, what we call a one-stop shop for health and social services is to get um, our health department out of the, uh, the aging building that they're in into a new facility, but also combine it with other services so people can take care of things at one stop. And the price tag on all those things you just mentioned? Oh, I didn't add them all up, but it's a lot. Um, but, uh, I mean, you know, yeah. just the public health one in and of itself is around a $20 million ask. And I, we know how expensive the, the resiliency, building resiliency into our dune system is. So how does that, uh, Paul, how does that work? So all these people come in and you sit there and you listen, you take notes and you talk with people, you follow up and everything. What's the process in your mind of, of saying like, eh, we're not going to do that one, or yeah, this is really important, or I never realized that we re ought to really consider. How do you go about, you know, moving forward with with what you feel are are the strong plans and some that are weak? Well, I mentioned earlier the need for the federal government to adopt a balanced budget, you know, all of us to the U.S. Constitution to to keep them in check, um, and we have that. We have a balanced budget amendment, so we have to you know, spend no more than what we take in which forces the, the magic, you know, term prioritization. And I think our job as legislators are saying, look, this is taxpayer money, it's not our money. Yeah, but the things government has to do, like public safety and roads and things we all agree on, but you got to prioritize the, the, the necessary versus the nice to have. And so that's the analysis. Uh, I will tell you that, you know, last year was a banner year, um, certainly a great year for Flagler County, and, um, and you know, I'm, I'm proud of what Senator Hudson and I were able to do uh, for this whole, you know, the whole region, uh, but I'm also a state representative. I'm the Speaker of the House, and so I'm looking at making sure that Florida uh, and our state budget uh, is in a good posture so that we're not ever looking at raising taxes. You know, we're the lowest, one, I think, the lowest uh, tax state in the country. 
um, that we remain so. So people keep more of their hard-earned money in their pocket. And that means we got to kind of dial back some of the some of the spending we've had. What uh, the commissioner is talking about goes into what are called member projects, um, which are things that are filed. In my case, others file those for me, but that that reflect their priority. So if it's not in the governor's budget or it's part of an agency ask or something like that, it becomes what's called a member project. And those have grown pretty pretty significantly over the years, uh, as have uh, both the request and the spending. And so that's an area where we're just going to have to prioritize more because we need to make sure that we're in a good posture when a recession comes. And right now, Florida is in the best of times, and it's incumbent on me as a leader to make sure that we are budgeting according to um, where we may be in the future and make sure we leave uh, Florida in, in the same great place that we found it. Um, so we'll have to, you know, do some of those, but probably not. Even the speaker doesn't get everything he wants. And and, uh, and then the governor looks at it and says, you know, i got to prioritize. He has a line item veto. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pass some stuff, and, and uh, we try to avoid sending him things we think he's likely to veto. Um, but um, that happens, too, and that's his, that's his constitutional role. Last year, education um, got a, a lot of money. You uh, instituted your voucher system that you'd wanted, where basically parents can get, what, $8,000 vouchers to put their kids in. If you don't like the public school, then at least, you know, you, you have that money to go to a private school or homeschool or whatever that gets freedom of education in a big way. Um, what about this coming year for education? I know teachers got raises last year. Never enough, but at least, you know, they did. And um, so what's the, the big plan for this year? What's, uh, what, what does, you want to go out with a bang your final year here. What would that, what would education look like with uh, Paul Renner as House Speaker? Sure. Well, we've done over a billion dollars in salary increases for our, our teachers, uh, public school teachers. Uh, I expect we'll try to do some more this year. Uh, I think that's valuable. Uh, we've got some things that the Senate's been working on, uh, some of which we have agreement on, some of which we do not, uh, with respect to um, make sh- making sure we lighten the load a little bit on anything that may be, you know, onerous. For example, you know, do we really need to build every single school to a Category 5 hurricane shelter? Um, the commissioner mentioned um, special needs. We really should think about starting to build um, shelters that are not in schoolhouses so kids can get back to school while people with special needs may need another several days or a week to kind of get back into their homes after a hurricane so we don't keep kids out of school, right? And so there are things like that that I think we can do um, to to make our public schools um, more efficient and, and lower their cost to operate. Um, the scholarship, the $8,000 or so a kid is significantly less than what each kid gets that's in public school, so it's a much smaller number um, than what all of us pay to put a, the same kid through a public school. And uh, and so we'll do those things, and I, I hope to see, you know, a general increase uh, in our overall education spending apart from the teacher salary increases that that uh, continues to, to make our commitment to an education system that was recently ranked number one in the country, both in K-12 as well as higher ed. So we're very proud of our public schools or universities um, on many fronts, and we just want to continue to take it to the next level. A mystery uh, to me is that, and you know, I thought, okay, well, here in Flagler County, there's been zero growth of students in public schools for like 10 years or something. Um, and then, you know, I was visiting up in Ohio, and the, the high school I graduated from has half as many students as when I graduated. And I always felt, yeah, there's hardly, what is going on with the public schools where there's like no growth or negative growth. Can you explain that mystery? 
I'll, I'll give you my perspective is that we set up a monopoly system where unlike any other business uh, or any other you know thing you walk into, there's always an entrance and an exit. And in, in the public schools, we set up a process where there's an entrance for your zip code, but no exit. You go where you're, you're zoned to go and that's it. And when that school uh, succeeds or fails, uh, it doesn't make a difference. And so part of the beauty of uh, educational freedom or what we call school choice is it introduces competition. Our public schools are far better today than when we undertook this 25 years ago. This is not this is not a last year thing. The universal component of it it's a dramatic expansion. But we've been doing this now for for a generation. Has made our public schools, uh, and you saw in the Gavin Newsom debate, we're we're in the top five in the country, um, and they're towards the bottom, towards the bottom five in the country in California. And part of that is is the dominance in California of the unions. And we have unions here in, in Florida, and I have no objection to a union trying to seek better pay for their people. But where unions get uh, a little uh, problematic for our school kids is when the focus becomes on the adults, not the kids. I think a lot of parents in COVID didn't like what they saw um, when they were home remote learning. So you've seen an exodus into homeschooling. You've seen an exodus into what they call micro schools, into private schools. And at the end of the day, um, you know, I don't believe that's that's a place where where unions ought to be operating because they put the needs of adults over the needs of children. And, and yeah, we've got great teachers, some of whom are union members. And so it's not an anti-teacher thing. My mom was a public school teacher, but, but you gotta, you gotta deliver the product. And if you deliver great educational outcomes, people will come into public schools. If you fail to deliver educational outcomes, people have a right to go somewhere else. And so in Florida, you have that right. And I think that's really, really important. And again, I think it's made our public schools um, something to be proud of. And I, and I am proud of our public schools. Uh, we'll be doing more this year as well on reading, um, because unfortunately, as good as we are relative to other states, uh, that's a relative thing, not, a, not an absolute thing. And we have almost half of our kids statewide who are not on grade level uh, to, in reading by the third grade, which means if you can't read, you can't learn. And so we're going to be looking at um, a scholarship uh, in the early years. We had one for third and fourth grade. We're going to go down to early learning, like down into three- and four- and five-year-olds, that we start to see them struggling with the ability to pronounce and, and do phonics. This is, a, this is a moral issue to me that we've got to get every kid where they need to be. And, and uh, we've helped the post schools with some new methodologies, some new supports for our teachers. So we are investing very heavily in our public schools um, to make sure that we deliver uh, great reading outcomes. But look, parents... Parents have a right to choose. Students have a right to choose the, the education that best fits their needs. And if that's a public school, fantastic. If it's, if it's a different kind of school, we've made allowances and, and a little bit of money uh, for that to happen. All right. Very good. Hey, we're, um, we're out of time. Uh, Commissioner Andy Dance, any final uh, words or questions for Paul Renner? Well, no, just again, to piggyback off of that, there is there just in the last 10 years, there's a lot more competition for, for the students and parents. Um, and, and we've seen that, um, you know, even in homeschooling, the rise of that and, and really a lot of, um, opportunities within the homeschooling community and, 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 and cooperation amongst parents. Um, so it's, uh, it, the school system, uh, needs to become, you know, the primary option for students and they need to work on that quality. Well, I know um, our house speaker, Paul Renner, is going to have an awesome Christmas this year with little kids running around the house, right? Yeah, I mean, you may have heard him during this uh, <laughs> during our time on the radio, but they're having a blast. You know, they're both now uh, in a place where they, they appreciate the Christmas tree and a little bit about what Christmas is all about. 
what we teach them. And so we're looking forward to a great Christmas together. All right. Paul Renner, thanks so much for what you do for us, the state, and, and um, your final year. And I also appreciate when you take time and during the busy session to check in with us on Fridays when you can. So I hope we can continue that in 2024. We sure will. I love being with you guys. And God bless you. Merry Christmas uh, as we go into the holidays. All right. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Hey, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Commissioner Andy Dance. It's lumpy, it's bumpy, and your driveway is dumpy. Call R.D. and Sons Paving. They've been paving since 1959. Driveways, walkways, stone and gravel, repairs too. They beat competitor prices. R.D. and Sons Paving, 386-302-3406. This is Memory Hopkins of Memory Hopkins Real Estate. It's a name you can't forget. From Lighthouse to Lighthouse, St. Augustine to New Smyrna Beach, my team and I cover all of your residential, commercial, and property management needs. We are your local realtor with a longer reach. Find us at memoryhopkins.com. I really like Coastal Cloud. I'm blessed to have uh, you know opportunities to move elsewhere, but I choose to stay with them just because of the culture, the people I work with. I believe in what Tim and Sarah have built here, the type of people they are. I believe they do what's right, so I really like the people and the culture. Congressman Mike Waltz, we uh, had promoted he was going to be on, and his press secretary said, oh my God, something came up really important. More important than you, Brian. I guess so, yeah. Hey, Mark, look and see if he's on Fox TV right now. I want to know <laughs> if we got bumped for those guys. All right. Anyway, um, very informative show. I love Paul Runner. You know, you learn so much from him, and you can understand things. It's so much, so it's hard to read and follow, but that's why I love, you know, even, you know, when you guys come on with the county, like what's really going on, it's storytelling is is uh, the best way that I learn things. Brian, you're a... You're a, a book, you know, smart guy, so you can read. <laughs> you can read endless hours, and I've I've got a short attention span, so this helps me learn when when There's Andy's on of, and all our community leaders. So yeah, I I, uh, I feel like I'm getting the best education coming here every 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 week and hearing from all the all the guests that we have on. So it's great. Hey Andy, um, I'm curious about AI. We didn't have time. I was going to talk to uh, Paul about this hyper gator. Um, AI computer. It's like a supercomputer using AI that um, he's... So next time we have him on, we'll find out about that. What about AI into the county? It seems like, you know, what's the potential for it? You know, everybody... Every, we're always scared of something when we first get it. Like, remember the microwave oven when it first came out? People were like, oh my God, I'm not going to have one of those. I'll be radiated and have cancer and all that. Um, so AI, what uh, what's your take on it? And, um, and how could the county benefit? Well, I think from a global perspective, AI can help with efficiencies. Um, and there's really nothing to add from a county level of any integration at this point. But I, I do think there's opportunities for, for that to help with efficiencies mm -hmm. in operations. And you, ever, you ever use chat GPT for your closing statement? I have not. Anything like that? I have not. <laughs> what, what should I say to conclude this county commission meeting? <laughs> Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll have an AI show where we'll just we ask AI all these questions, and then we'll we'll do it live and just read it and say, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So, um, we have a good year ahead. I mean, what what keeps you up at night as chairman and twenty twenty four ahead for Flagler County? What do you really worry about, Andy? Well, we just got past the the hurricane season ended, and I think whenever we get close to hurricane season, I think that. 
that's one thing that keeps me up and uh, <laughs> because we've escaped and had some near some some close calls and we've seen the damage that even a close call can do to our ecosystem and infrastructure so um, uh, the possibility for severe storms is uh, keeps me up and but we've got a great team in our EOC uh, Jonathan Lord and, oh, yeah. and our administration um, do a great job on handling those situations. So I'd, go ahead, Brian. I'd be curious. I mean, even if we don't get hit or even get a lot of actual damage from any kind of the weather or anything, it still is an incredible, when, when there is a threat, it's an incredible, um, uh, it still requires so much, so many resources to mobilize, get ready, you know, pay attention. And it, 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 distracts from a lot of other things that right. could could have been done the opportunity cost is huge um putting every project that everybody's doing on hold you know in the whole community for a week sometimes to make sure that we're you know we're going to cancel that you know two days ahead because we might not have it and all these other things and so i don't know i, I kudos to jonathan lord and everybody at the at the county and all the all the uh, emergency people who um keep us safe but also um, he's gotten good at it. it yeah yeah like it is yeah. i mean it really is amazing well you know when when all this is happening and the storm's coming and power's out and all it's the the coordination of communication here in flagler county really is the top shelf of of the people you know maybe because we've had a lot of practice at it i don't know <laughs> but i've been in other counties where it's a total mess matter of fact it was kind of a mess when i first came here uh, 15 years ago mm -hmm. and you know but technology has changed communication has changed which of course makes things better but um, um but yeah if, if there's you're going to be in a county where the there's a hurricane and you want the best of the people in charge <laughs> this is the place to weather a hurricane i don't right know i don't know if we, i don't know if we want to market <laughs> flagler county as the best county to be in a hurricane but uh anyway and i guess the other thing i'd say is i look forward to us completing our comprehensive plan update um again as a landscape architect, planner, somebody who gets down <laughs> in the weeds to these issues, there's going to be plenty of public opportunity to help uh, set the tone for how Flagler County is going to grow in the future. So, All right, very good. Andy Dance, thank you for what you do serving the community. Appreciate you being on. Thank you very much. All right, Brian? I want to say thank you to people. I, I keep getting people coming up and saying, hey, I, I just subscribed for driveway delivery. It just... It makes me feel really good. I, I'm so grateful that so, that people are supporting, you know, the newspaper and feel that it's important to keep, you know, keep the newspaper healthy. So thank you to everybody. I just subscribed to uh, to the uh, delivery on the newspaper. Me too. I, on my driveway. Thank you very much. I, know. I like walking out there on a cold, freezing morning with a cup of coffee. Now, oh, God, I wish they could throw it a little closer to the door. Now with comics. <laughs> now with comics. Okay. <laughs> All right, every hey, don't forget the boat parade tomorrow night live Saturday night. We're going to be broadcasting from Waterfront mm -hmm. Park. We've got La Chacamore as our color commentator, Brittany Kershaw, and of course Kirk Keller and our regular broadcast team with Rich Carroll and all that. Be a fun thing. We're going to be calling out the boat captains that go by. So even if you're not, and also it's going to be on TV. So our audio play-by-play boat-by-boat will be on the city's uh, youtube channel very cool and um so and if you uh, want to look back and see what we said about you as your boat went by it'll also be on youtube there's so. also a shuttle people are stressed about the parking there's a shuttle there's a little blurb about it on the front page i can't remember all the details but if you look at the front page of the observer they've got those details all right a great all community right. all right once again thanks andy thank Brian, you always enjoy working with Merry you Christmas. and we'll see you at the boat parade starting six o'clock saturday night
Serving Flagler County for over a decade. WNZF, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM, and W235 CW Benel.